السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري واحلل عقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم اهدي قلبي وسدد لساني واسلل سخيمة قلبي آمين يا رب العالمين كتاب الجنائز باب نمبر 81 which is باب الجريد على القبر placing الجريد on the grave what is jareed jareed is a small twig or a piece of a branch of a dead palm tree so putting that a twig or a piece of you know a fresh piece of branch on the grave wa awsa buraidatul aslamiyyu buraida al aslami this is a companion He commanded an yaj'ala fi qabrihi jaridan. He instructed, he gave this wasiyah that when he is buried, then two jarid, two branches, two twigs should be put on his grave. Why did he say this? Because we learn and this hadith is coming, we learn that once the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam passed by some graves and he said something to the people, inshallah we learn about that and he put twigs on their graves but this was not the usual habit of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam this is the only instance where we learned that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam put those twigs on those graves and there was a reason why he did that which inshallah we will discuss but buraida al aslami radiyallahu anhu he generalized that and from that he said that it should also be put on my grave however the sunnah is not such the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam did not do this he only did it at one occasion and so this should not be generalized waraa ibn umar radiyallahu anhuma ibn umar radiyallahu anhu he saw fustatan a tent ala qabri abdul rahman on the grave of abdul rahman this is abdul rahman ibn abi bakr radiyallahu anhu the son of abu bakr radiyallahu anhu so on his grave there was a tent فَقَالَ إِنزِعْهُ يَا غُلَامِ So he said, remove it, O oh boy. Which boy? The boy who was guarding that tent. So that nobody would remove it. But Ibn Umar said to the boy, remove it. فَإِنَّمَا يُظِلُّهُ عَمَلُهُ Because his deeds shade him. This tent does not shade him. It is said that Aisha رضي الله عنها had instructed that this tent be put on the grave. Why? There must have been some reason. and she had appointed this boy to make sure that the tent is not removed there must have been some reason but ibn umar when he saw it he said remove it because when you put this tent on the grave i mean this tent is not going to benefit the person in the grave it's not going to shade him what is going to shade him is his own deeds wa qala kharijat ibn zayd and kharija ibn zayd He said, رَأَيْتُنِي وَنَحْنُ شُبَّانٌ فِي زَمَنِ عُثْمَانِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ He said, I saw myself, meaning I did this, وَنَحْنُ شُبَّانٌ while we were young boys, in the time of Uthman رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ وَإِنَّ أَشَدَّنَا وَثْبَةً that the best of us in jumping was الَّذِي يَثِبُ قَبْرَ عُثْمَانَ بْنِ مَضْعُونَ the one who could jump across the grave of Uthman ibn Mad'oon 
hatta yujawizahu until he could clear it. So what do we learn from this? Children jumping over graves. Now in general, are we allowed to walk over graves? That's not the proper etiquette. Are we allowed to sit on the graves? No. But here, Khalid ibn Zayd, and he's a tabi'i by the way, from Medina, as a child, him and other children, when they would compete in jumping to see who was the best jumper, who was the best in jumping, they would see who is able to jump over the grave of Uthman ibn Maz'oon. وَقَالَ عُثْمَانُ بْنُ حَكِيمٍ And Uthman ibn Hakim said, أَخَذَ بِيَدِي خَارِجَةً Kharija took my hand, فَأَجْلَسَنِي عَلَى قَبْرٍ And he made me sit on a grave. وَأَخْبَرَنِي عَنْ عَمِّهِ And he informed me on the authority of his uncle, who was his uncle, Yazid ibn Thabitin, قَالَ إِنَّمَا كُرِهَ ذَلِكَ لِمَنْ أَحْدَثَ عَلَيْهِ This is disliked for the one who أَحْدَثَ عَلَيْهِ أَحْدَثَ is understood as one who breaks wudu. Meaning, you should not sit on the grave if you're going to break your wudu. Meaning you should not pass wind. But otherwise, there's no harm. وَقَالَ نَافِعٌ كَانَ بْنُ عُمَرَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا يَجْلِسُ عَلَى الْقُبُورِ And Nafi' said that Ibn Umar would actually sit on the grave. Now we see these statements over here and they seem a little strange. First of all, remember that these statements that Imam Bukhari has brought are also authentic. They are authentic. Even though the chain of narration is not there, but they are authentic in their sanad, in their asnad. The reason why Imam Bukhari is bringing all of these statements and actions of the companions or the tabi'un is to show us that these matters are not that strict. They're not that strict. So for example, if you go to a graveyard and you see that on a grave there is a twig or some flowers, so then what should you do? Haram, haram, haram. Bid'ah, bid'ah, bid'ah. Remove all of them. Pick them all out. Yeah? No. Because we see that even some companions generalized their understanding of placing twigs on the graves. Inshallah, we'll look at the hadith. But we see that Buraida, radiallahu anhu, he generalized it. In fact, he instructed that it should be put on his grave. Likewise, we see that sometimes to identify a grave, you have to put a, put a mark. Like for example, when my grandmother passed away, I mean the way graves are supposed to be, just plain, no name, nothing on it. How do you know? I mean all the graves look the same. How do you know? So then what people typically do is that they will put something to identify it. So on her grave, when I went a few days later, I saw that there was a stick on one side. Only one stick, nothing else. And that was for the purpose of identification. Then we see that Aisha radiallahu anha had instructed that a tent be put on the grave and there must have been a reason for that. Maybe if people came later on, after all it was a son of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, someone who was beloved to people, maybe they're coming later in order to pray for him, in order to sit by the grave and make dua for him and it was very sunny. So in order to protect the people from the heat of the sun, maybe that's the reason why that tent was pitched. Or maybe it was too identify the grave. Right? So if, similarly, if a tent is put, temporarily, not as a long-term thing, but temporarily if a tent is put, or something is put on top of the grave to identify it, or to protect the people visiting the grave, 
Is there anything wrong with it? No. But this is something that we should really think about, the statement of Ibn Umar, that فَإِنَّمَا يُضِلُّهُ عَمَلُهُ His deeds shade him. Meaning what's going on outside the grave is not benefiting him. The flowers that you take, the petals that you spread. Right? Sometimes people even do bukhur. Bukhur. You know what bukhur is? What is it? Incense. Incense that is burnt. So they even do that. But does that benefit the person in the grave? No, it's only a distraction for the people who are walking. For the people who are alive. And they should not be distracted, especially when coming to the graveyard. Then we see that Kharija reported that as children they would jump over the graves. right? And Ibn Umar would even sit on the grave. So the thing is that yes, when you are in a graveyard, sometimes graves are literally right next to each other. Next to each other. And yes, there is a clear prohibition. Uh, we have been told very clearly that we should not sit on the graves. La tajlisu ala al-qubur. There's a hadith in Muslim. Very clear. Do not sit on the graves. Very clear. But sometimes there is some necessity. Like for example, there may be a grave in which a person is being buried, but while he is being buried, there is another grave right next to it, another one right next to that. People need to stand somewhere. You understand? They need to stand somewhere. Maybe one of them is tired and needs to sit down. As he sits down, he realizes that he's sitting on a grave. You understand? And then also when it's a lahad, when it's a niche to the side, then the top part of the grave becomes really big. So a lot of the area then is covered by the graves. Where do people walk? Where do they sit? So sometimes out of necessity, they may have to. So all of these statements and actions of the companions and the tabirun, what they teach us is that yes, there is certain etiquette that we should observe when we go to the graveyard. There are some rules, some do's and don'ts, but the matter is not as rigid and strict. So we should be a little gentle with people. It doesn't mean that we should start practicing innovations. You know, for example, when I visited my grandmother's grave, there was a family there and they were spreading rose petals on top of a grave. And they had also put some other decorations and I was feeling bad for them. You know, but that was not the occasion where we should go up to them and tell them this is not right. It doesn't benefit the person in the grave. It's not the occasion. So we should realize that yes, there are some things which are wrong, right? Like haram, non-negotiable. But then there are other things which, yes, they're not allowed, but it doesn't mean that we make them as a major, major, major issue. Hadith. حدثنا يحيى حدثنا أبو معاوية عن الأعمش عن مجاهد عن طاووس عن ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم So Ibn Abbas رضي الله عنه reported from the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم أنه مر بقبرين يعذبان That he صلى الله عليه وسلم passed by two graves in which the people were being punished فقال So he said إِنَّهُمَا لَيُعَذَّبَانِ Indeed, both of them are being punished. وَمَا يُعَذَّبَانِ فِي كَبِيرٍ And they're not being punished because of something big, because of something major. أَمَّا أَحَدُهُمَا As for one of them, فَكَانَ لَا يَسْتَتِرُ مِنَ الْبَوْلِ 
he would not shield himself, he would not protect himself from urine. وَأَمَّا الْآخَرْ And as for the other person, why is he being punished? He's being punished because فَكَانَ يَمْشِي بِالنَّمِيمَة He used to walk, go around with namima. What is namima? What is the translation of namima in your book? Hmm? Backbiting? Basically it is going from one person to another saying, Oh, you know he said this about you and she said this. He said, she said, this kind of namima. This is namima. So going around people and this namima, what does it do? What does it do? It creates division and bad feelings amongst people. Right? Because if you think about it, somebody said something ill about me, for example, in front of you. I don't know about it. So as long as I don't know, I'm okay. But if you come and tell me, do you know she said this about you? Then what will happen? My feelings towards that person will change. Isn't it? And then it will cause me hurt. So this namima is something very dangerous. Gossip, basically. ثُمَّ أَخَذَ جَرِيدَةً رَطْبَةً Then the Prophet ﷺ took a jarida. Jarida, like I mentioned to you, is a small piece of a branch. رَطْبَةً رَطْبَةً means fresh. Which is why it's translated as green. Okay? Fresh. Meaning it was just broken. فَشَقَّهَا بِنِصْفَيْنِ He broke it into two pieces. ثُمَّ غَرَزَ فِي كُلِّ قَبْرٍ وَاحِدَةٍ And then he stuck one piece on each grave. فَقَالُوا يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ So the people said, O Messenger of Allah, لِمَا صَنَعْتَ هَذَا Why did you do that? فَقَالَ So he said, لَعَلَّهُ أَنْ يُخَفَّفَ عَنْهُمَا مَا لَمْ يَيْبَسَا Perhaps the punishment will be lightened for them as long as these two stems do not become dry. So what does this hadith mean? Why did he put the twigs? What was the reason? Basically, he intended to show the companions the time, the duration for which the punishment would be reduced for the people in the grave. He intended to demonstrate to people that you see, this is green right now, until it becomes brown and dry, until that time, the punishment will hopefully be reduced for them. Why will it hopefully be reduced for them for that duration? Because of the dua of the Prophet ﷺ. You understand? So it was like a temporary intercession. It was like a dua that the Prophet ﷺ made for those people. And because of the dua, yes, the punishment was hopefully lightened for them. But it wasn't going to be lightened forever. It wasn't going to be reduced forever. It was going to be reduced for how long? For some time. And that time, that duration, the Prophet ﷺ intended to show the people through the twigs. You understand? Now, some people, based on this hadith, they say that, okay, when we bury someone, we should also put fresh twigs on their graves. But the thing is that the Prophet ﷺ did not do this with every single grave. You understand? And if you do put the twigs, what are you assuming about the person in the grave? That they're being punished. And that's really not a good assumption. Right? You should hope 
for the best, you should expect the best, you should seek forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for them, and you should hope that Allah will forgive them and make their grave a blessed place for them. So when you're putting the twigs, you're assuming that they're being punished, and that's a very bad assumption. And we see that the Prophet ﷺ did not do this all the time. That every time he buried someone, he put twigs on their grave. No, this was an isolated incident. And here we see that the objective of the Prophet ﷺ was really to teach people. To teach people the seriousness of these two crimes. وَمَا يُعَذَّبَانِ and Kabir, It's not something major, meaning people don't think that it's a big deal. But it is actually a big deal. Because the people are being punished for these crimes. And the punishment will not be reduced forever. It will only be reduced for a short duration. So this was a serious warning for the people. A great lesson for the people. And that is what we need to focus on over here. So the first thing is what? The first thing is what? Not protecting oneself from urine. What does it mean by that? That when a person uses a bathroom, they're careless about cleanliness. That first of all, they don't care about how they're using the bathroom, so the urine splashes are coming on them, on their clothes, right? Or they're scattering everywhere. And then if accidentally that does happen, they don't take care of cleaning themselves. Because sometimes accidents do happen. But then what needs to be done is that you clean yourself. You clean your clothes, you clean your body, you clean the area. Don't leave it dirty. And it's amazing how bathrooms, even in the masjid, are found splashed with urine. I mean, this is disgusting. Sometimes urine is found on the floor. I mean, the kind of stories I hear sometimes about the bathrooms in the women's side as well as the brother's side. I mean, this is something, if a person is not careful about it, for this is punishment in the grave. Punishment in the grave. Because when a person is careless about urine, then his body, his clothes are dirty, and then that filth will also spread. Isn't it so? That filth will spread. The next person who will come and use the bathroom, their clothes, their body may get soiled, and then their salah is being affected. And then if they go somewhere and sit there, you know, you're spreading najasa, you're spreading filth. So there's many problems that result from this. So this is something that we have to be extremely careful about. And then also, not just while using the bathroom, otherwise also, sometimes people have a habit of holding their urine and not going to the bathroom. And because of that, you know, sometimes a drop or two comes out. It happens with children also. And sometimes adults as their uterus becomes weak, then, you know, sometimes with a sneeze or with a cough or, you know, leaks do happen. But what is necessary is that these conditions are accepted by a person, that, okay, I have this condition, so that they can deal with it properly. They're prepared for it. Their salah is not affected. Their clothing is not affected. So a person has to be very, very careful about this. And... Being careful about this matter means that you're concerned about tahara. When you're concerned about tahara, this means that you're concerned about your your salah. You understand? Being concerned about tahara means that you're concerned about salah. And if a person is negligent about tahara, it means that they're negligent about, about salah. And the second crime that's mentioned over here is namima, which is also a very serious problem 
that creates a lot of facade between people. And the Prophet ﷺ called both of these things as not kabir, meaning they weren't kabir. What is meant by that is that people, they did not think that it was a big deal. And this can also be interpreted in another way, that it was not a very difficult matter. Meaning they could have easily avoided these two things. You understand? So what is meant is that they could have easily avoided it. Now sometimes what happens is that with regards to urine, people become very lazy. But is it really that hard to clean yourself? Is it really impossible? You know, my grandmother, of course, with age, you know, it happens with many women that they have to use the bathroom very frequently. My aunt told me that sometimes my grandmother would wake up six to seven times in the night just to use the bathroom. Six to seven times. And then her concern would always be that my clothes should not get dirty. Even when she was in the hospital, I remember at one point she was trying to tell me something and I couldn't understand and I kept asking her to repeat and she was saying I need to use the bathroom I need to use the bathroom even though you know the catheter was there like whenever she got that feeling she wasn't willing to just let go on her bed because she was concerned that her clothes will get soiled and her bed will get soiled so how will she pray and she was in that hospital bed for three to four days and it's amazing she was, her body was smelling so good. And you would expect that if a person is in a hospital bed for like three to four days, they would be smelling or, you know, some, nothing like that. Whereas she was sweating so much and she was not able to eat, not even able to drink any water, but her body was not smelling at all. Because all her life she was like that, making sure that her body was tahir, her clothes were clean. So these are things that, don't come overnight. You have to develop that habit. It's a lifestyle. Tahara is a lifestyle. Because it affects your salah. And salah you perform five times a day. So if you pray properly, that means you clean yourself properly. And it's really not impossible to clean yourself properly. Even when it comes to namima, is it impossible to avoid it? Is it impossible to avoid? No. If somebody else is talking to you, Right, about another individual, you can change the topic. You have the right to say, I don't want to know. But we express our curiosity at that time. Isn't it? So the other person also feels obligated to tell us more. باب المحدث عند القبر وقعود أصحابه حوله المحدث giving admonition, giving advice. المحدث meaning the person talking. Where? عند القبر Near a grave. So a person giving advice to people, giving admonition to people, near a grave. وَقُعُودِ أَصْحَابِهِ حَوْلَهُ And his companions sitting around him. So basically, when a person's body is prepared for the burial, the ghusl is given, the kafan is put on, even salatul janazah is, is performed. Now the body is taken to be buried in the grave. But sometimes what happens is that the grave is still being dug. Alright? These days, I mean, there is professionals, people are hired for this job. In many places, that is not available. People who take the body for burial are the people who have to dig the grave also. So while the grave is being dug, should the people just sit idle? No. 
what was the way of the Prophet ﷺ? He would admonish people at that time. Likewise, sometimes there is a delay in taking the body for the burial. Like for example, people have to come from far off places or the grave is still being dug. And so the body is prepared. The wusul kafan is all done. But the people sit around the body. You understand? The family, for example, or the people who are coming, they sit around the body. So at that time, what should be done? Everybody should stare and cry. Can someone admonish the people who are present? Can they? Yes, they can. Now Imam Bukhari mentions some words from the Qur'an and they describe the Day of Judgment. And the reason why Imam Bukhari mentions them is to prove to us that even in the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala admonishes us, warns us about matters of the hereafter. Isn't that so? So if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala admonishes us, reminds us, warns us of the matters of the hereafter, then when you see death, when you see a dead person, at that time giving these reminders is beneficial. So what are the words that Imam Bukhari quotes? Firstly, يَخْرُجُونَ مِنَ الْأَجْدَاسِ The meaning of this is يَخْرُجُونَ مِنَ الْأَجْدَاسِ They will come out of the graves. Imam Bukhari says, الْأَجْدَاسُ القبور. Ajdas means graves. Bu'thirat. Bu'thirat means uthirat, which is basically raised. He says, Ba'atharu hawdi. Ba'atharu hawdi. Hawdi is my hawd. Hawd is what? What is a hawd? A fountain or a pool of water. So, Ba'atharu hawdi, ay meaning ja'altu asfalahu a'lahu. It means I made its bottom part, its top part. Meaning, turned it over. Turned it over. Meaning, in digging it. So, بُعْثِرَتْ Imam Bukhari is explaining the word over here. وَإِذَا الْقُبُورُ بُعْثِرَتْ What is meant by that is, that the contents of the grave will be taken out. And who is in the grave? People. الْإِفَاضُ إِفَاضُ he says it means isra'. Yufilun is also another word that comes in the Quran. So ifald is to hasten. Waqara al Armash. Armash recited Ila Nasbin. Ila Nasbin. Ila Nusubin Yufilun. So both the pronunciations are there. He says, Ila Shayin Mansubin Yastabiquna ilayhi. Meaning to something set up which they race to. وَالنُّصْبُ وَاحِدٌ نُصْب is singular وَالنَّصْبُ مَصْدَر and نَصْب is مَصْدَر يَوْمُ الْخُرُوجِ مِنَ الْقُبُورِ This will happen on the day that people will come out of the graves. Basically we learn in the Qur'an that when people will come out of the graves يَخْرُجُونَ مِنَ الْأَجْدَاثِ They will come out of the graves and they will rush towards نُصُب as if they are rushing towards نُصُب Meaning a comparison is made that just as in the world they would rush towards their idols, on the day of judgment as they will come out of the graves, they will rush towards the place of gathering for hisab. Yansilun means yakhrujun, to come out. Now if you notice, it's very strange. Imam Bukhari has not quoted the complete verses, isn't it? He's just highlighted a few words. Why? What he is pointing towards, what he is indicating is brief admonition. Meaning, by the graveside, 
or around the deceased person, lectures should not be given. Long lectures should not be given. Rather brief mawrilah, very short admonition, is enough. حدثنا عثمان قال حدثني جرير عن منصور عن سعد بن عبيدة عن أبي عبد الرحمن عن علي رضي الله عنه علي رضي الله عنه said that قال كنا في جنازة في بقيع الغرقد he said we were in a janaza in a funeral procession in بقيع الغرقد this is the graveyard of Medina فأتانا النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم came to us فقعد and he sat down وَقَعَتْنَا حَوْلَهُ And we sat down around him. وَمَعَهُ مِخْصَرَةٌ And with him was a stick, meaning in his hand was a stick. فَنَكَّسَ So he lowered his head. نَكَّسَ He lowered his head. فَجَعَلَ يَنْكُتُ بِمِخْرَصَتِهِ And he began to strike the ground with his stick. ثم قال then he said ما منكم من أحد there is none of you ما من نفس منفوسة there is no created soul or no breathing soul no living soul إلا كتب مكانها من الجنة والنار except that his place is written for him in Jannah in the garden or in the fire وَإِلَّا قَدْ كُتِبَ شَقِيَّةً أَوْ سَعِيدَةً And except that, it is written for him whether he will be shaqi or sa'id. Who is shaqi? Shaqi and sa'id, opposite of each other. Shaqi is who? The unfortunate, the miserable, who will end up in hellfire. And sa'id, sa'id is who? The happy, fortunate ones who will end up in paradise. So he said, there is none of you, no living soul, no created soul, except that it is written for him, which place will he end up in? Hellfire or paradise? And it is written for him, whether he will be of the lucky people or the unlucky people, the fortunate ones or the unfortunate ones. فَقَالَ رَجُلٌ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ So a man said, O Messenger of Allah, أَفَلَا نَتَّكِلُ عَلَى كِتَابِنَا وَنَدَعُ الْعَمَلِ should we not then rely on our decree, meaning whatever is written for us, and forget about working? Nada'u, we should leave al-amal action. You understand the question? What he's saying is that if it's already written for us, then why bother doing anything? Hmm? It's exactly what people, people don't ask about it. They assume this. And this is how many people live today. If it's written for me to go to Jannah, I will go to Jannah. I don't need to worry about doing anything. If it's written for me to go to hellfire, I'll go there. I don't need to worry about doing anything. This is what many people think Qadr is. فَمَنْ كَانَ مِنَّا مِنْ أَهْلِ السَّعَادَةِ فَيَصِيرُ إِلَىٰ عَمَلِ أَهْلِ السَّعَادَةِ He said, whoever amongst us is of the people of Sa'ada, people of happiness, meaning you will end up in Jannah, then فَسَيَصِيرُ إِلَىٰ عَمَلِ أَهْلِ السَّعَادَةِ He will end up doing the actions of the people of success. وَأَمَّا مَنْ كَانَ مِنَّا مِنْ أَهْلِ الشَّقَاوَةِ فَسَيَصِيرُ إِلَىٰ عَمَلِ أَهْلِ الشَّقَاوَةِ hmm? Then he will end up doing the actions of the people of Shaqawa. And this part was the statement of who? 
the Prophet The Prophet said that as for the people of Sa'ada, the people of Jannah, people of happiness, they will be facilitated in doing the actions of happiness. And as for the people of wretchedness, meaning people who will end up in hell, they will be facilitated in doing the actions of wretchedness, meaning that take to hellfire. Then he recited, This is from which surah? Surah Al-A'la. Right? So basically what's going on over here? The Prophet ﷺ admonished people that for every single person, it's already written as to where he will end up. Okay? Why did the Prophet ﷺ say this over here? You see, it's a time of death. Somebody had died. Somebody was being buried. So the Prophet ﷺ is drawing the attention of people to the matters of the hereafter. That think about it. Isn't just this world. It isn't just this dunya. There's also akhirah. So where will you end up? In which category of people? And he said for every person, the final destination is decreed. So one person asked that if it's already written, why bother doing anything? But the Prophet ﷺ explained that no, what is written is what you will be facilitated to do. Now, the thing is that none of us knows as to what is written for us. Isn't it? Do you know what's written for you? Anybody? Nobody knows what is written for them. Okay? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us the choice and the freedom to act, to choose what we want to do. He has given us abilities and He has given us opportunities to avail. Right? And we don't know what is decreed for us. What is decreed for us, some people think that what is decreed for us is what is being forced on us. You can understand the decree of Allah as the knowledge of Allah. The decree of Allah is what? The knowledge of Allah. Meaning Allah already knows where you will end up. But if He knows, does it mean that He's forcing you to do that? No, He's given you the choice. You understand? He's given you the choice. So here in this hadith, what do we learn? That the Prophet ﷺ admonished people. And so it is permissible to hold you know, a small gathering where people are reminded of death and the matters of the hereafter. But it should not be done excessively. Because if it's done excessively, then the person who has passed away you know, is, is revered and sometimes people start inventing things about them and it leads to many innovations also. So we should stick to the sunnah. And you see the Prophet ﷺ, when he admonished people, he didn't do it in a very formal way. He did it in, in a casual way, in a casual setting. So the more natural it is, the better it is. And this is something that you can also do, that when people come you know, to offer condolences or you go to offer condolences, Many times people will say things like, okay, what should we do? Let's all read Qur'an and pass the reward to the person. Instead, there should be some talk about death, you know, teach them the dua, 
dua that you can make for the deceased person and what kind of actions you can do that can benefit the deceased person.